Mike Schreiner is the leader of the Ontario Green Party, and he wants some answers about the Green Belt. He wants an audit from the Auditor General to look at sort of a cost-benefit analysis of opening up these parcels of land that the Conservative government seems, well, set to do, based on the fact that some of these parcels of land have been sold already. We asked Mike Schreiner about that, about health care, and about the possibility of him running for Ontario Liberal leadership. There's an interim leader right now, but Mike Schreiner's name has been pushed out there, so it's important to ask him whether he's considering it. That's all coming up on Toronto Today. It's great to have you back on. It's been a while. Thanks very much for making the time. Hey, good morning, Greg. Pleasure to be on. What is the most important question you would like the Auditor General to to provide uh, answers to or dig into on this, Mike? Well, I think both questions are, are vitally important. You know, what is the environmental impact of opening these greenbelt lands for development? I mean, these lands were protected for a reason, to protect the farmland that feeds us, the wetlands and green space that clean our drinking water, protect us from flooding, provide recreational opportunities for families. And we also need um, the, an evaluation of the financial implications of these greenbelt land deals, particularly when it comes to the Duff and Rouge Agricultural Preserve. A previous conservative government sold those lands uh, to farmers at well below market value for a reason. And I support the reason they did this because those lands had easements on them that would conserve them to be used for agriculture, for growing food forever. And these are this is prime farmland. Uh, we're losing farmland at an unsustainable rate, and we need to protect that farmland in order to protect our economy. Food and farming sector contributes almost $50 billion to our economy and to ensure our food security. Now that land um, is being open for development, and the developers who bought it at well below development rates are going to have windfall profits that some have estimated are between $1 and $2 billion that really should go to the public, not to these private landowners. And I don't know too many people, no matter which way somebody leans, I suppose, on on money that sh- should be spent on environmental protection, Mike. I don't know too many people that think somehow in the decades to come in Ontario, we need less farmland as opposed to more f- farmland. We need the latter, not the former. Well, absolutely. I mean, anybody's been to the grocery store recently and seen the huge increases in inflation, uh, recognize the vulnerability we have uh, from global supply chains and how they directly affect um, the cost of food in our grocery stores. And we need to protect the farmland. We have some of the best farmland in the world right here in southern Ontario. And that farmland, you know, feeds our population and those local supply chains can help us uh, insulate us from some of the, the global inflationary food shocks. And it contributes a significant um, amount of money to our provincial economy and creates a substantial number of jobs in Ontario. So why the premier would put all of that under threat when his own housing affordability task force clearly and explicitly stated that the land is not the barrier to building more homes. We do not need to open the Greenbelt for development. We already have over um, 88,000 acres of developable land approved uh, for housing in the greater Toronto-Hamilton area. Let's get building on the land that's already approved, not opening up prime farmland for development. Do you think it, the, uh, the right amount of public pressure, the right amount of political pressure could force walk back or cancellation of these deals? The one thing people who praise Doug Ford do say is 
if he thinks something's eminently unpopular, doesn't matter COVID restriction, the notwithstanding clause in the fall, he'll walk something back. Can enough noise get made to do that with somebody who has such an overwhelming majority? Well, that's certainly the plan. And the premier has walked back things and reversed course in the past. As a matter of fact, in uh, 2018, 2019, they put forward, the conservative government put forward uh, what was called Bill 66 at the time that would have opened, there was a schedule that would have opened the Greenbelt for development. There was significant pushback. The premier backtracked and once again promised that he would not touch the Greenbelt. Matter of fact, I documented about 20 times where the premier or his minister have explicitly promised not to touch the Greenbelt for development. So there are thousands of people across this province who are, you know, going to protest, writing letters, sending in petitions, calling the premier's office and saying, you know, mm. premier, just keep your promise to keep your hands off the Greenbelt. Mike Schreiner's our guest uh, joining us on Toronto Today. I think the theory is probably a fair one. He wouldn't do this going into, let's say, hypothetically, we had a June 2023 election, but he will do this knowing that that he doesn't have to call another election until 2026. There's a long runway. So some of the stuff that's going to be most controversial, and I think most governments do do these things, Mike, um, are they're going to do them in the first year after they get a mandate. Is that a fair statement? Oh, I think that's definitely a fair statement, Greg. I mean, if we were going into a provincial election, I don't know if there's any way the premier would do something that has such overwhelming opposition. I mean, and I've even been to uh, a number of these pop-up protests that are happening where people have come up to me and said, hey, I've been a conservative voter my entire life, and I am absolutely opposed to what the premier is doing. I mean, the word conserve is in conservative. We need to conserve our farmland and the green space that cleans our drinking water, protects us from flooding. There is no doubt, Greg, we have a housing affordability crisis. That's exactly why I've put forward legislation like Bill 44 and Bill 45 that would uh, remove the red tape that is preventing more housing to be built within our existing urban boundaries. Because the bottom line is that's how you create housing that people can afford in communities they want to live. We want young people. Ontario Greens want young people to be able to have that dream of having an affordable place to call home. But what Doug Ford is proposing is long, expensive commutes, homes that people can't afford far away from where they work, on the farmland that feeds us. That's not how you build affordable homes for people. Mm -hmm. That's not how you help people, especially young people, have affordable lifestyles. That's not how you help municipalities be able to um, build affordable communities. I mean, the cost of municipalities of sprawl, if you think about like the roads, the sewer mains, the water lines, all the infrastructure you have to build to service sprawl is hugely expensive. All of us put the bill for that. I want to ask you about health care. Um, I know there's an announcement coming on Monday. I read this headline in the Toronto Star this morning. Doug Ford's private surgery center proposal will hurt hospitals, doctors, college warrants. And I read the quotes from the college registrars. And I always read these hospital CEOs who are making, you know, way more than half a million dollars while the nurses aren't making any money. Mike, you've got the lens of living in the United States. Um, so do I having a baby in the United States as well. What we're doing isn't working anymore. Putting endless money into what we have isn't working anymore. I don't think we should become uh, a, a 51st state when it comes to health care. But I, I just don't find enough people opposing Doug Ford are thinking outside the box. How would you revolutionize, I guess, not just what we do practically, Mike, but the thought process behind it? I just see a lot of empty thinking. Of, uh, it's not 1979 anymore, and I'm not sure every politician realizes that. 
Well, great. You know, one of the things that uh, I quickly realized when I immigrated uh, to Ontario back in the 1990s and fell in love with this province is that the healthcare system here, in my experience, is far better than what you have in the U.S. I mean, I can't tell you how many people in the U.S. are worried, like, can we even have a child because the expense is so high? We have to have GoFundMe campaigns in order to, you know, not lose our house to be able to pay healthcare bills, businesses. I can't remember my dad always complaining that, you know, the small business he ran had to worry more about the healthcare plan for their employees and actually running the business. So I believe deeply that publicly funded, publicly delivered healthcare is far more efficient financially, uh, serves the public much better. We absolutely need innovation in, in our healthcare system, but going down the road of privatization is the road of higher cost and lower service. But how you went to Indiana University. How could you possibly at age 22 have had better care here as a 22-year-old in Canada for wait times, going to an emergency room, virtual walk-in clinics? How could you have, how could you how could a 22-year-old have better care here than you had in Indiana or I had in Michigan if if your family was decently off? Yeah, let me tell you this, Greg. When I was there as a graduate student, uh, my uh, uh, girlfriend at the time, my wife now, uh, she had a was diagnosed with a chronic healthcare condition. Even though she had health insurance, uh, we had a long wait time. She had a long wait time to be able to access the imaging she needed to assess and make that diagnosis. And then when she was diagnosed, even though she had health insurance. She had to pay out of pocket. As a matter of fact, we put, took out a student loan to help pay for her health care. And when we moved to Ontario, it was like, this is fantastic. We get access to high-quality health care, and we're not paying for it out of pocket. I bet she got seen faster, though. To... I bet she got seen faster than she would right now. Uh, she, had, she had to wait quite a while to receive the diagnostic imaging she needed, Greg. So I would say if we want to reduce wait times in Ontario— mm. Let's invest in our public health care system. Let's ensure that we do things like get rid of Bill 124 that's pushing sure. uh, yes. nurses and frontline health care workers out of the profession. Because one of the biggest causes of delays in our system right now is that we don't have enough staff and we have government policy that's actually driving staff out of the system. I'm begging you, come in for half an hour with me, talk health care <laughs> with me. I'd love to have you in studio on a day when it's not snowing uh, and you don't have to worry about uh, slush and well, running out of wiper fluid. I, I got a minute <laughs> here. Good, Please come up and do that because I'd love to visit with you. Um, y- your name has obviously been tossed out there to be uh, the leader of the liberals. I'm sure it's flattering. Have you decided on that? Can you rule that out? Yeah, I've no, no plans to run for leadership of another political party. Uh, I've been asked uh, by numerous people. I was asked by a number of people to run for the NDP. Uh, I think right now, you know, my focus is really trying to lead the charge to protect our green belt. Uh, and to ensure that we have a provincial budget coming up that actually invests in people, doubling social assistance rate, investing in our health care system, uh, ensuring that we have an affordable housing strategy that doesn't pave mm-hmm. over the farmland that feeds us. That's my focus right now. So no plans is not, is that the same as I've ruled it out for 2023? Yeah, no, no plans, Greg. <laughs> okay. I mean, maybe Monday you'll rule it out, but not on, not on Friday. I gotcha. Hey, I love our chats. Thanks very much for the time. Good luck uh, with, uh, with everything in, in the, in the upcoming future, Mike. I appreciate you coming on. Okay. Take care. Bye for now. Mike Schreiner joining us uh, from the Green Party of Ontario. 